You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, we're going to get right to this, um, our show in just a moment, uh, safe, uh, all about elderly abuse. And uh, Joe's got a couple of great guests that are going to be on. But before we do that, I want to announce to everybody that we're going to be doing a very, very special interview in the near future with Dr. Nicole Sapphire. And many of you may know that name from Fox and Friends. She's just written a book, or it's just been published, Let's Make America Healthy Again. And uh, she is a not only a very attractive lady, but she's also very, very nice. And uh, she uh, sent me an email that uh, was just absolutely couldn't have been nicer. So with that being said, we're going to start our show Safe, all about elderly abuse, and here's Joe and his guest. Good, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, Joe Gavallis with the Safe Senior Hour, and uh, uh, I hope you all are safe and healthy. And uh, today our guest will be Jason Marbit, as Senior Assistant District Attorney with the Cobb Judicial Circuit, which is Cobb County. And uh, Jason's been a guest before, and. We are uh, glad you could uh, come again, Jason. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Joe. It's always a pleasure to be on. Right. And we're going to try today to focus our show, obviously, on elder abuse and things I have to remind everybody is, number one, uh, elder abuse doesn't report itself. So uh, you all you know, need to help help your loved ones and help people who you, uh, who you know or might be uh, being some kind of abuse in, in an abusive situation. And we had defined abuse as physical, financial, and institutional. So we'll talk about all sorts of these things. And But today we're also going to kind of gear our show on the uh, coronavirus and some scams that have taken place there. And But again, you know, crime and, and scams and abuse doesn't stop. It's not all about the coronavirus. It's about several things. So... Uh, with that, um, Jason, let me just ask you, just let everybody know your background, and then uh, we'll go into some um, some good uh, discussion here about uh, abuse situations. Sure. Well, I guess I've been a prosecutor here in uh, Cobb County for the past 15 years and uh, have been specializing in the area of elder abuse and uh, vulnerable protection for about half that time. Uh, and I'm the chairman of the Cobb Elder Abuse Task Force. Uh, I've d- taught a lot of law enforcement. We do a lot of law enforcement training uh, to help them recognize the signs of abuse, both from uh, a physical standpoint but also a financial standpoint. Uh, and I've done some national trainings as well to uh, try and uh, improve everybody's responses to this and so that we can maintain some networks and continue to have some conversations about this important issue. Well, that's great, and uh, I understand our other guest got on with us, Chuck McPhillamy, with the Marietta Police Department, and uh, the public information officer. Chuck, are you on? Can you hear us? Joe, I'm here. I'm not sure how loud or quiet I'm going to be. I can barely hear you. Okay, well, I can hear you pretty well here, and I think, Jason, you can hear him. And so hey, we'll, hey, we'll work on that. And, um, and for our listeners, uh, Chuck is not only... Uh, he wears a lot of hats, but his hat is the public information officer for the Marietta Police, but he also does public information 
um, coordination for the North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force, and we rely on him uh, to really help get messages out of what's happening in the community, and and it's very important. As you know, uh, uh, Jason and Chuck, uh, education is everything, is keep people informed about what's going on. Today, I'd like to gear our show on between with with uh, uh, Chuck and Jason is um, how do, do do local from a city county point of view? How, how, what are you all seeing from this coronavirus? How's it affecting your your work? And some just tips we can give um, our our listeners out there uh, throughout the United States and uh, throughout the world here. So I, I, I'll go first, and then maybe Chuck can, can jump in a, a little bit. Um, the biggest thing from my perspective, of course, I'm a prosecutor, so I work in the courts uh, for the most part, uh, and the courts have been uh, slowed down. We are uh, closed for all but essential functions, and that means only emergency hearings, things that affect people getting in or out of custody, um, are really being scheduled and heard. We have moved in the past couple of weeks to try and schedule some non-essential things, and we're handling those via uh, tele- video conferencing, Zoom, that technology, which everybody seems to be uh, learning about and doing. Um, so it makes it hard, right, that we're not seeing each other face-to-face. We're not having those normal conversations about things, and um, it, it makes it difficult for a lot of these uh, issues and these scams. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I suspect that we have some scams that we've heard about from other jurisdictions uh, that are hitting ours. But I haven't heard specifically any cases that are reported yet. Chuck may may know more because police uh, are still out working and they're still taking calls and complaints. And so maybe he he's familiar uh, with some of that. Yeah, Chuck, can you uh, can you fill us in on how is this affecting uh, the Marietta Police Department? Just give a little background for our listeners how big it is in the area you cover. Sure, we are the Marietta is the county seat for our, for Cobb County. And we service an area of roughly, you could argue by the census, somewhere around sixty to 70,000 residents. And that number grows typically pre-COVID-19. That number grows by day with workers coming in. Uh, our work hasn't stopped. Like Jason alluded to on the court side, it has changed. Um, it's changed in a lot of different ways that we just hadn't ever thought of. This is unprecedented for all of us. Uh, typically, I would show up at your house and immediately walk inside. Now I'm going to ask if you'll step outside and speak with me outside where we can both be in fresh air and stay a little bit safer. Um, the, the reality of scams, uh, we as a police department coordinate with other law enforcement agencies around the country. And as Jason said, fortunately, Marietta seems to have avoided at least knock on wood up until now um, the, the the brunt of these scams that are happening but we are hearing about them in Georgia as well as around the country things there will never be a time where criminals aren't looking for a way to get money from you and unfortunately this whole COVID-19 coronavirus situation is so unfamiliar for all of us that it's left it open for the, for the picking for these criminals to come up with a new scam, it seems like, daily, from 
some reaching out to the elderly saying, we have the cure, the government doesn't want you to know it, but you can buy it from us, buy it direct now, give me your credit card, to I have the test kits, I have stocks of them, and I'll send you the test kits so you can know if you have it. Those are all lies. Those are all false, and you are giving your money away if you fall victim to that. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Talking to law enforcement and both uh, you and Jason, um, I'm hearing that, that there are more calls now coming in uh, for, like, domestic disputes um, um, and um, more like, you know, possibly drug overdoses, things like that, and, and welfare checks. Could, could you go over that kind of uh, um, scenario? Do you see more of that, Chuck or Jason? I'll, I'll jump in first. Yes to all of that. Um, I have a I have a friend. As you know, I'm kind of an open book. Uh, I'll leave his name out of it because he he would probably he would be blushing right now. But I have a friend who has um, a, a high ranking job. He's a professional. He's in his early fifties. He's got two young children. And one week into the virus, he called me and said, "I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've never been at home with these two young kids this much." How long is this going to go on? I think at, at some point, each one of us has our own different release, our own different way of coping with things. For some, it's sports. For some, it's hiking or biking or exercise or a long walk. And for those that can't get in that release anymore, you have a tension-building situation. Uh, yes, we have had an increase in calls just in in tense situations where where people have gotten frustrated with each other. But it's more just a, a chance to get people out into the front yard, get them talking, get them realizing we're all in this. Your neighbors are going through the exact same thing that you're going through. Um, let's, let's prevent this from escalating and requiring us taking someone to jail. Um, from From the from the overdose perspective, there hasn't been an increase, but there is a consistent steady flow, the same as we've had in the past. Um, as a city, we do our best to try and get those individuals the help they can instead of just locking them up. Uh, each situation is unique. It, it's not a, a one answer fits all. It's not a one size fits all. Uh, but when we can, we're gonna get that individual into some sort of therapy and get them the treatment they need so we can try and break that cycle. Not, well, to your last question on the welfare check, if you have a loved one or a family or, or a friend that lives within our jurisdiction and you're concerned about their safety and you can't get them on the phone, it would always be smarter for you to call. Call 911, give them the address, ask if we can go by and do a welfare check. If you suspect they're, they're going to ask you regardless, but if you suspect that they may have the virus, please share that information so that we can dress appropriately and mask up and use our personal protective equipment, or PPE, before knocking on that door. Uh, but that is something even pre-corona. If you have a friend or, or family member who has, let's say, diabetes or some other long-term health issue, and suddenly you can't reach them on the phone, 
you want to call as soon as possible so that we can check and make sure they're not lying on the floor of their apartment or their house. Uh, we want to get them the help as soon as we can. Right, and and before I turn it over to, to Jason, um, and this goes for anybody in the United States. It's not uncommon for somebody to be living in uh, Wisconsin and they have a loved one um, in um, living alone in, let's say, Arkansas or Texas. So please, if you haven't heard or have concerns, please call that jurisdiction, whether it be the police, the sheriff's office, and just tell them you want to do a welfare call. Uh, this is important, and I think this issue about somebody just lying there is uh, is a horrible, horrible experience for anybody to go through. And Jason, do you want to uh, just fill in some stuff, what we were talking about before, where, you know, everybody sees that. Well, I think the big thing that I, I wanted to kind of jump off of what Chuck was talking about is social isolation. Um, that's one of the hallmarks of criminals, even before coronavirus, that, that we look for that as a sign of potential abuse because it makes somebody a greater uh, – you're, you're, there's a greater opportunity to victimize somebody when they are isolated from other friends or family or neighbors who can look out for them. And so what we have with this situation going on right now is natural isolation. In fact, we're, we're told to isolate. Uh, and so I, what I'm concerned with and one of my biggest concerns is where that is going to allow our scammers and our abusers to um, work their way in to take advantage of folks. Well, we're going to go into, uh, into this in a little more detail in the next segment as we're about to leave this segment and come back to our uh, two special guests today, Jason Marvin and Chuck McPhillamy. So we'll be right back. And again, we want to remind everybody that we've got a very special guest coming to uh, America's Web Radio, which is Dr. Nicole Sapphire. You may know the name from Fox and Friends, and we'll be doing an interview with uh, Nicole uh, coming up very shortly, within the next week or so, uh, regarding her book, Let's Make America healthy again. Want to remind everybody too about our great programming that we've got here in at, at America's Web Radio. We've got the Doctors Lounge that talks about what doctors talk about in their lounge at hospitals, and they're doing a lot of talking right now. We've also got the Master's Message, uh, our Kung Fu Master. She Diru, and uh, he leads us in meditation every Friday, and uh, is also uh, working with Harvard and Yale and many other school medical schools regarding meditation and what it can do for you. Then we have uh, Sandy Bostic that does our agent in charge, Homeland Security. He was a former Homeland Security agent, and he was uh, the agent in charge in El Paso. And uh, our attorney, uh, Robert D'Agostino, and Do Facts Matter. Then my pick, David's pick, which will be on uh, this Thursday. And uh, it'll also be the show that uh, Dr. Sapphire will be on. I don't think it'll be this Thursday, but next Thursday. And then don't forget that one of our hosts is working very hard, and they were talking about it today on Fox uh, News, as a matter of fact. And uh, he's in procurement. It's uh, General Richard Dix, retired. In fact, I talked to Richard last night for a few minutes. And he will be coming back to his show, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. But it's going to be a little bit, a little while. And But they were talking about uh, 
the provisions and fulfilling anything states need, and that's why he was called back up to active duty, as he's a logistics expert and uh, is helping with taking care of and getting rid of the coronavirus. So we appreciate General Dix. want uh, prayers for all of our hosts and, and guests that come on America's Web Radio. And we have done everything we can to make sure everybody's safe and uh, safe and sound. And I uh, want to thank everybody for tuning in over the weekend. We had a, a couple of slight problems, but we appreciate your loyalty and uh, Stay tuned for more of SAFE right after a couple of quick messages. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis and our two special guests today, uh, um, Assistant uh, Dis- Senior Assistant District Attorney uh, Jason Marbit and uh, Public Information Officer for the Marietta Police Department. That's Marietta, Georgia, and also... He uh, also wears a hat and helps out the North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force as our uh, giving his guidance on the public uh, information level. And I appreciate you, you people both being here, and I think you all will concur with me. We want to give a big thanks and not forget to all our first responders. It includes fire, medical, EMT, police. And uh, I want to say one more thing about that. Uh, our first responders and our veterans if you're opening up your businesses that you that you may have on the side of what you're doing, if you're reopening your businesses, like they say, uh, if you advertise, they will come. But if you keep it a secret, they won't know that you're open. So what we're doing is, if you're reopening a business that you have, you're a veteran or a first responder of any kind, you're reopening your business, send GM at America's Web Radio the details and we'll put it on the air absolutely no charge we will if it's a national business that's even better because we go nationally but if you're a local business we got a lot of local listeners too so we'll put it on america's web radio for no charge if you're a veteran or a first responder reopening a business that had been closed because of the virus the virus crisis well i i uh, i I think that's a great offer, and I hope everybody takes advantage of it. Um, I think that when we talk about, we obviously were thanking the first responders, our health care workers, but let's just go back. I look, I thank God these people, our truckers who get the, uh, who get, get all the supplies, our people working the grocery stores, the pharmacies, or, uh, you know, that keep the gas stations open. There are a lot of just so many people, I didn't, I didn't, probably didn't address half of them, but we all want to thank you to go through this. And as Jason just said, this is something everybody's experiencing, and it's, it's not unique to any area. And, and you know, we, we thank you for all what you've done. Um, well, let me go back here on this um, uh, talk about just some kind of, you know, uh, uh, cases that we've looked at or situations. And, Jason, we, I think we turned it over to you to look at 
that some of the situations like Chuck was talking about the 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 domestic or issues at home how easy it flares up because most people haven't been at home right with their unfortunately I think that's right I think that um, we we have seen or we've heard of uh, an increase of domestic calls and part of elder abuse is going to include domestic we we do include the physical so we do want people to understand that. Um, we're still here and we're still working. Law enforcement will still go out and talk and investigate. And, and folks need to also uh, take a deep breath. Um, we're all in this. We're all dealing with the, the new experiences and new emotions and this um, being with folks who you probably uh, love but are stuck with. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife, I, I'll. I, Chuck was talking about his friend. I'll talk about my wife a little bit. Um, one of the things that I think we we figured out very early on in our marriage is I have a, a, a room in my house which we call Mantown, and um, that was that was we we learned very early on that I needed that space. That there is there is no when I go in Mantown, nobody gets to tell me um, what I hang on the wall, what I put on, uh, whether there's something that's dirty on the floor. If I take my socks off and I don't put them where they're supposed to go. That's my safe space for that, and she gets her own woman town for it. So I think that it's healthy for folks to have some separation while they're together, and it's natural. And so, um, just understand that we are all in this together, and it's 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 gonna we're gonna get through it. Well, I, I was fortunate enough uh, when I was a federal agent to uh, have a tour of the big nuclear submarine. I think it was the West Virginia, and which is huge. By the way, they at that point, they said it's the second biggest ship in the Navy. It was huge, you know, with all the missiles on it. And one of the places they pointed out to us, because when they go out, they're out for an indefinite period of time, and they have exactly what, what, what Jason was talking about. It's a small little room, but it's for enlisted men only. No officers can go in there. They can't, what's said in there can't be used against anybody. They found out they needed their space, and that's basically where we're at now. I mean, I, th- I that's a great a great comment you just made. I thought that was great. I, I don't know, and, and again, I, I think, uh, Chuck, you know, you're the ones that have to respond. You're the first, you know, first responders, but, boy, I tell you, I, I just feel as this thing goes on, I hope it gets over soon here, and, and thank you guys for showing up and taking the professional attitude that you're not out there to arrest people. You will if you have to, but you're out there to help people. You know, uh, Joe, you just reminded me, and I shouldn't have missed on this anyway. We have a nuclear submarine captain that does a show for us, Chance Ritchie. He was the uh, uh, nuclear uh, engineer on a submarine, a captain, and uh, he does our business hour. And uh, he will be reviewing... um, uh, remarks very shortly, like from AOC, that oh, she's so glad that the Texas oil business has gone under, and uh, I can't wait to get the pictures of her pushing her limousine. <laughs> that she does take her limousine, she appreciates it. So, as we we're talking, and Chuck, and maybe you can say, have you all been seeing any non coronavirus kind of issues so far, but just the normal? type uh, um, scams or abusive issues? Has is, is there anything been coming up that you've been seeing? It's, it, no, it hasn't been unique to Corona, and it hasn't been... It, it's very much criminals will be criminals, and it's business as usual for them. Um, to be honest with you, Joe, I think the, the best 
comment that I could make right now would be back to something Jason said a few minutes ago about social isolation. The reality is we're talking to elders and we're talking about how do you get through this unprecedented time. And I will tell you that you know, my wife and I have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson and a one-year-old grandson, and the families communicate very differently. Our children have different technology. One wants to use FaceTime. The other one wants to use WhatsApp as an app on the phone, and then both are using video calls because you can't just simply go see the grandchildren right now. And I would encourage anyone listening to this, if you're not familiar or tech-savvy yourself, the reality is if you're that age, you probably have kids who have an older cell phone sitting in a box in an attic doing nothing that will still connect to a Wi-Fi and would allow you to video so there are options there. If you're hearing this and you're not familiar what to do, chances are you have a friend or a family member or, or, a, or a niece or a nephew that is tech-savvy that could walk you through that that might not cost anything that they could mail you that device and give you the ability to stay in touch. Well, I think that's so important. I don't know, Jason, if you have any comments about it, but I, before we go on, I think this is what's really happening, and I hear that from from friends of mine and neighbors is they have loved ones that are in a nursing home, assistant living, personal care home, and they can't see them. They, they're, they're just stopped from it. And this is really hurting them because they're used to seeing their parents or their loved ones every week or two or three times a week or talking to them. I, I don't know if you've all, have you all heard any stories about that or dealt with that? Jason? I, I have, and, and in fact, I've, uh, I have a friend who um, has a, a mother in a facility who's actually out of state, right? So we're in Georgia, uh, and he has a mother who's in Florida, and I, I've, I've talked with him as, as he frets because he's used to being able to um, go visit her, talk on her, check on her, and being stuck to just do that via phone um, certainly creates uh, concern. It creates concern for family members. And I will say it creates concern for us in law enforcement that we are concerned about. Uh, I, I, I think that our healthcare workers are doing yeoman's work and they're dealing with a lot of um, difficult situations. And I really appreciate the job that they are doing uh, with the coronavirus. So I don't mean to cast aspersion on healthcare workers. But, but there's a part of me which is concerned about what might be going on in facilities right now that we're not hearing about that we're going to uncover later because we're not able to interact with uh, people. Because, and, and I only say that from our experience of knowing that there is some abuse that has gone on in facilities, and we are concerned about that, um, both from a, a standpoint of the physical, but we're also concerned with the financial. Um, you know, we've got these stimulus checks that are going out. Um, I, you and I were talking about this, I think, in the past couple of days, that there have been reports of... Uh, facilities and places taking the checks or convincing people that the checks uh, should go to them. Right. You know, maybe they've got some uh, outstanding debt or something going on there at the facility and they'll just take the check for the facility. Uh, obviously, that's wrong. And we're concerned that we're only going to find out about that stuff on, on the, uh, in the aftermath in a few months from now when, when the money's gone. No, I, 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 that, that isn't true. And in fact, that was disclosed first time to me was last week on our show. One of our guests um, uh, discussed that, and then we ran it down afterwards. And yes, that is an issue. And 
we're trying to, as many other people are, trying to get the information out just to remind people that this is a, a, a gift from the government and uh, um, and it should be um, uh, so so noted and and and, and our residents in these uh, uh, nursing homes, assisted living, personal care homes, you know, they should be getting these uh, payments also. So we just have to be uh, keep an eye out and just remind people that whose money it really is. Um, but I do want to talk about the uh, some cases here that, that that I think maybe both of you have seen in um, and and that is because uh, I've had neighbors talk to me and 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 actually they they want us to give a little talk to a, to a group about is when family members allow their kids or grandkids to come in and stay at their house and it all of a sudden it's no longer this mutual. Uh, acceptance where you know you're a guest in our house you can stay here it's when the kids actually take uh, um, a a stronger more controlling aspect of telling people what to do the owners of the house meaning their grandparents or their their parents what they can do what they can't do and 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 related issues and I'm talking to Chuck and Jason have you seen that I think we have we've had some cases like that We've had we've had cases like that before and of varying degrees. Um, I, in fact, I'm thinking of one from Marietta, maybe um, six or seven years ago. Um, it, it's analogous to what you're describing. I think that we can run the gamut from somebody who moves in to help out to I think the case I'm thinking of was a guy who had grown up. It was his family home that he'd grown up in, and quite frankly, he had a drug problem, and so he would move out. Uh, go out, uh, get in trouble, and continually come back over the years, but now was in his mid-40s and was you know, going on a bender again and basically would tell folks, well, this is where I live, and he would break into his parents' house and live there, uh, treat it like his own. I think uh, this is an extreme, Joe. I think that this guy had, in fact, he would um, kick doors in and had spray-painted on a basement uh, wall uh, uh, an arrow to a couch and he called it this was I won't say his name but that was his couch but basically would use his parents house as a flop house such that they were terrorized and never knew when their son was going to come in and and it was difficult to figure out um, what to do because to some extent once you invite someone into your home to live they do after a certain period of time um, the only way to really get them out is to you have to evict them if you've invited them in and said that they can live right. there on a permanent basis, of course, it's different than if you say you're just going to come over for a night or two, then you don't really have to go through the eviction process for that. Uh, so it does create some, some difficulty, but I, I think that you can be exploited if it's your property and someone is treating it as if their own. They're depriving you of that property and, and your free use and enjoyment. Well, I, 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 Chuck, we'll come back to you here when we, uh, we've got to take our, our, our next break, but we'll come back and continue this discussion on the Safe Senior Hour. And as I did earlier, I want to do it again, as a matter of fact, and invite you as you're staying at home, uh, sheltering in place, and you're looking for something different to do, Look to America's Web Radio and go online to go to iTunes or YouTube and look up some of the, your favorite shows that maybe you didn't get to listen to and listen to them. Like uh, our uh, show with General Richard Dix, which is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. All of the doctor's lounges are on. 
Master's Message. That's our that's our Kung Fu Master, Shi Di Ru, that does a heck of a job. And uh, do facts matter? And then I want to remind you that coming up very shortly, we will be having uh, Dr. Nicole Sapphire on, uh, talking about her book and her experiences on Fox and Friends. And not only that, but we've got a lot of surprises that are going to be just absolutely fantastic, and we're looking forward to springing some of those surprises on you in the very near future. And we've got uh, the business hour with uh, our submarine captain, uh, Mr. Chance Ritchie, and uh, he does a wonderful job, and he'll be talking about the uh, Texas oil situation and business and how whether you realize it or not, you think it only affects you at the pump, but it affects you a whole lot more than that. So one other last thing is that if you're active duty, a first responder, or a veteran, and you're reopening your business that's been closed because of the coronavirus, and you're reopening it, let us know, and they will come if you advertise and tell people that you're doing it. So just Email gm at America's Web Radio with the details of you opening your business, and we will give you free national advertising. We have thousands and thousands and millions that listen to America's Web Radio throughout the world, and um, we'll be glad to, we want to do it for you, and we'll be glad to tell the world that you've reopened. Advertise, and they will come. So with that being said, let's get back to our program with Joe and his guest right now. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Joe Gavallis with the uh, Safe Senior Hour. Uh, again, I kind of remind you, you know, elder abuse doesn't report itself, and our discussions on elder abuse that we, we use as a definition, physical, financial, and institutional, and we have two really great guests, and we're honored today to have them. Jason Marbit, the Senior Assistant District Attorney with the Cobb County Judicial District, who heads up the uh, White Collar and Elder Abuse Units of the Cobb DA's office, um, well known throughout not only the state, but, but uh, the country and elder abuse matters. And Chuck McPhillamy, who is the Public Information Officer and uh, member of the uh, North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force. And one of his hats he wears is the public information officer for the task force. So we were just talking about different situations here about, because um, uh, I had some people raise some issues on it, where uh, a, a senior will invite somebody like their grandkids, nieces or nephews, and might even be their kids to move in with them. And rather than just have this symbiotic relationship, these the children or these guests just take over in a very offensive manner, and Jason talked about one case that he was aware of, and I was just wondering whether, Chuck, whether you've seen anything or heard of any cases like that. Um, I know <clears throat> the case that Jason talked about was in Marietta, but I think there are some other cases that you might be familiar with. Chuck, you on? That love is reciprocated in that it doesn't come with strings. Um, Jason alluded to a case in reference to the fact that, you know, that individual had become addicted to drugs. That is a very common thread that occurs in these situations where the 20 to 50-year-old child 
is now addicted and their children the grandchild in this relationship. So now the grandparents listening to this, the elderly, are trying to figure out, do I need to raise my grandkids? What do I need to do? Um, do I allow my adult child to move back into the house? Do I allow my my grandchildren, who might be high school or even college age, to move into the house with me? And then what does that look like? There is a, there is a very different personality between someone born that is now in the 60 to 80 year range. They were brought up with a different mindset than someone who is 20 years old today. Uh, I, would, I would dare say that the average person listening to this that would be in the retirement age or older never wanted to stay with mom and dad. They couldn't wait to leave the house and start their own life and start their own adventure. And for whatever reason, however we've created this anomaly, we have a group of kids now that find it completely comfortable to stay in their parents' house for an extended number of years. It's a, it's a very different mindset. And what Jason alluded to, we have seen on a number of cases. Uh, it's incredibly important if you are the victim of that, as you keep saying at each one of these, the crime doesn't report itself. You know what's normal within your own household. You know what's normal within your own neighborhood. If you found yourself in that old analogy of the frog in boiling water that sat there not realizing it kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter in that water, if you find yourself in a situation where suddenly you think that you are being taken advantage of or even abused and you have someone in your home that is no longer welcome, it's important that you start that process. And if you're not familiar with how, then call 911, have an officer dispatched, and ask for advice. They can usually give you the forms, they keep them in the car, on how to go through the whole process or at least provide you with some logical advice on the side of the road of here's who you would call to start an eviction process, here are the things that you need to do, and then if it's appropriate, if there's damage to your property, ask that an incident report be written right then and there so that we can document that the police were called, that there is a, a report of a problem, and it becomes a tough love situation. We need to have that phone call to start taking the action, but then we also need that victim in that situation to be willing to stand up and say, I am a victim and I do have rights, and I'm sorry, I know you're my loved one, but this isn't appropriate, and I'm not going to allow you to abuse me. I, I know one of the cases, and, and both you gentlemen might remember it, where the, the elderly parent parents or grandparents in their 80s actually locked themselves in the room, and the elderly gentleman went and got a, a firearm to protect himself because he was afraid and had been threatened by his... Uh, I think it was his grandkids. Was well, this? I, I think it was. Uh, it, it was his stepson. If, if, you're, if we're thinking of the same case, I think we are. And I think that was part of why he felt the need. You know, he had married later in life when um, stepson was already an adult son and um, had developed a relationship. I wouldn't say it was a close relationship by any stretch, um, but certainly wanted to respect his new wife's wishes and didn't want to alienate her by ha continuing to have conflict with the stepson and. Um, 
but was in an awful situation because the stepson clearly was taking advantage of mom and um, intimidating the stepfather who was living there in his house, and it was their house. Um, one thing I want to talk about is, and of course I brought up eviction because eviction is something that is a recourse which is appropriate in many of these circumstances, and sometimes it's the only recourse that we have. But but sometimes, and this is uh, to uh, Chuck's point, um, why we want you to, we you've got to report it. You've got to get police involved if um, it reaches a state where there is abuse and there is uh, fraud going on or, or, or that intimidation because we don't necessarily have to wait for eviction. If a crime is being committed, we can arrest someone and you can continue to evict while they are arrested. You don't have to wait to evict someone to decide whether a crime has actually occurred or not. So if you're so intimidated that you've got, got to lock yourself in their, your own room of your house with and get a firearm because you're afraid that your stepson uh, might hurt you or intimidating you, well, that's um, intentional infliction of mental anguish, and that's a crime. So. In, in, in Georgia, it, that certainly is, and it might be everywhere right. else here or in other countries. And, and, and go back, Chuck, I think that our listeners need to know that police are not upset if they, you call them and they come out and talk to you and, and they don't have to arrest anybody. They're willing to talk, report it, get it on record. Isn't that right? I mean, not everybody's arrested every time the police come. That is exactly correct. And it's, a, it's an important to also acknowledge that, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of, of individuals, men and women, wearing a badge in some capacity in and around this country. Each one of us is going to approach things a little bit differently. If you get someone out who just doesn't click with you and you feel like you're not getting the answers that you need, this is no different than being in a restaurant and asking to speak with the restaurant manager. If you happen to be that one time where you finally get up the courage and you make the call and you believe that a crime is being committed and you don't feel that that road officer gave you the answer that you needed, that may not be a bad road officer. That might be that road officer just dealt with the death of a child and he's so or she is so traumatized they're just not on their game. They're not in the right mindset in that moment. You can always call 911 back and ask for a road supervisor to come meet with you. It gives you the ability to share that information. And as Jason said, we need you to report that because you in that moment are the victim. And if you're not letting us know what happened, we can't be there to help you resolve it. No, I, I think that's good, and I think our listeners need to, needed to hear that, and I think it's a um, it, it's good advice. Don't be afraid to call and ask for help and ask for assistance, and, and, and as I think Chuck said earlier, it doesn't mean people are coming into your house. Things are different now. They'll have you come out or whatever. I think you're, you gave you the scenario. But we want to keep everybody safe and get everybody through this situation. But things that we're talking about aren't that unusual. They happened before there was a coronavirus. I think the cases, Jason, you talked about were, were before that. And I just want, while we're, we're starting to wrap up this segment, I want to, if we can, both uh, Jason and uh, Chuck, talk about some institutional-type issues that you might have seen where there were matters that are of concern that people should be on the lookout if they hear it or whatever it is. Well... Actually, I, th I think we'll probably be better taking this in the next segment. 
And so we're going to take a break from the Safe Senior Hour, and we'll be back with our final segment. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it, and you'll love having one in your shower. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there is a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Well, welcome back to the final segment of the uh, Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis and our two uh, honored guests today, Jason Marbit, Senior Assistant District Attorney with the Cobb Judicial District and head of the White Collar Elder Abuse Unit for the Cobb DA's office. And again, you all know Cobb County is a uh, suburb of Atlanta and has about, what, 785,000 people in it, I think. It's one of the biggest counties. And... Um, uh, and in the in the county seat is Marietta, and that's where we have Chuck uh, uh, McPhillamion, who is the public information officer for the um, uh, Marietta PD, but also is a member of our task force and uh, and handles uh, public information uh, help for us on the task force. So we want to thank you both for being here, and and we're just trying to go into on this segment uh, both. Uh, 
uh, Chuck and Jason, talking about um, institutional type abuses. We tell everybody elder abuse doesn't report itself, and the three types of abuse are uh, that we look at are physical, financial, and institutional. So let's talk about some institutional issues that are raised and uh, and again that if you see something say something and you'll get law enforcement out or whoever the appropriate person is to help you so I don't know whoever wants to go first Jason or uh, I, I, I can go a little bit um, you know we talk about institutional abuse in Georgia and of course uh, when when we talk about the actual crimes we mean abuse which is the physical, um, we mean neglect, which is um, not providing people the services that they need to care for themselves or the assistance that they need to care, um, and the, the financial, which is the exploitation. Particularly when you start talking about institutional, I think we really uh, look at the neglect cases. And we've had a number of those, unfortunately, over the years in, in our jurisdiction. Uh, we know that they are not in just our jurisdiction, but um, I am concerned at times like this when folks are required to be at home. We've got some uh, shortages of, of food. I'm, I'm afraid of what some of our folks that they may be experiencing some of the same issues that we've had with cases where, um, you know, I can think of a personal care homes, unlicensed personal care homes where folks are supposedly assisting people with their activities of daily living, but they are not feeding them properly. Uh, we've had cases where we've had disabled men locked in basements um, where they're uh, feeding them on bologna sandwiches and bread and some juice, and they'll get just a little of that every day. Um, I, I'm concerned that we have those going on right now with people uh, being required to shelter in place in uh, places which are not adequate uh, facilities for the number of people that are in, in them. Uh, and, and I guess I remind your listeners and that um, these cases we can only do something about when we know about, so you've got to find a way to report those uh, to us, and we're still working. Law enforcement is still working, and you've heard that from Chuck, so we can look into these. Um, but we've had those problems, and I think that they are probably out there right now uh, in, in the, the general public. Well, I think that, Chuck, can you uh, fill us in? I think you, 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 Marietta has been one of the outstanding departments that, that, will, uh, that will see situations like this and try to help resolve the situation, and not everyone is resolved by the police you can go to the regulatory groups. Isn't that true? That's absolutely true, Joe. The reality is if you're listening to this and you have a loved one in an assisted living facility of any type, of any level of assisted living, um, you've turned over the care of that individual to an entity and you have an assumption that there's a level of care being met. If you show up and things look like they've changed or there's a problem or you're hearing that there was a crime that was committed or there might be some neglect, it's important that you reach out and start that process. Um, Joe, it might be appropriate for you to share some of the links that you and Chief Flynn have worked on together, um, just old-school pamphlets, trifold pamphlets with some links on it to different entities because if I'm being candid, I'm 50 years old and if I, my parents have passed, but if they were still alive, it would be a challenge for me. Well, when do I call APS, Adult Protective Services, or what do they do? When do I call HFR, that's Healthcare Facility Regulation? Well, what do they do? Well, how will I get through to the right person and when should I call? 
some of those are answered in, in just an if-then statement and, an, and again, an old-school pamphlet that you and Chief Lynn put together. The, the reality is we've turned over care of our loved ones, and we're hoping that those loved ones are being taken care of. And I want to take a quick side tangent here for just a second before I turn it back over to you. Something we talk about, you led with thank you for first responders and for everyone who's out there trying to make sure that we're all safe. The whole goal of this hour is to ensure that our elderly understand that they have ways to reach out and get help. We haven't talked about the fact that the caregivers taking care of the elderly in those assisted living facilities, their level of stress has gone up exponentially because their relief to get away is now only to go back home into that same pressure cooker and they may not have that, and Jason, I forget what you called it, a man room? Man town. <laughs> man town. They may not have their own man town or woman town room to go to. It's important that we keep them in our thoughts and prayers and that if you're, if you're, if you know someone who's in that situation, and they're under an enormous amount of stress. They need you to reach out as their friend to help them learn ways to cope and and bring that stress level down so that they can be there for the seniors when they're there on staff. Well, I, I, you couldn't have said it any better. And and and, and I know we kind of generally you know group them in with healthcare workers, but you're so right on these caregivers going in every day to these. These places, and just looking at the statistics at at um, which I just sent out, we have them for the state of Georgia, and I'm sure every state will be coming out with them for nursing homes, personal care homes, or assisted living. And you look at the number of residents, then the number of residents that showed positive for for the virus, but then also look at the number of staff that showed positive. And so you can see these people every day are doing a, an incredible job. And and it was a great point that. We just drill down and highlight those caretakers. It's very important. And, and uh, again, if you hear anything or to help people, this is what we're out here for, to try to help people. Call somebody. Call a professional. Call a, a, a friend that you have. Call a, somebody in the faith-based community that, that you deal with. Or call law enforcement. And, and they'll get you to the right place. Uh, because if it bothers you, it's worth being, it's worth being talked to. And again, not every case is criminal and not everybody's going to jail, but what we're looking for is to take care of that, uh, of that uh, citizen that, that you have concerns about. Um, Jason, um, is there, we're going to look at any other examples that you've seen of an institutional type thing? Well, I think, you know, when we talk institutional, we kind of think about two different types of facilities. There are the skilled nursing facilities where you've got doctors and nurses. Those tend to be more where people have higher needs. Uh, I think Chuck really hit on it. When we have a, a tendency as family members to put our loved ones in those facilities and you have this level of care that you, you're not only are you um, – hoping for you're actually paying for right. you, you have this expectation that's being provided um, and and I think we're also there's the other types of facilities where folks are maybe more independent but they need a little assistance and those are more our personal care homes where it's you're not there necessarily because a family member is putting you there you're there because maybe you've chosen to go someplace 
um, in, in all of these facilities, um, I, I just I, I really want to encourage folks to know that you're not alone. Um, as much as it, we are encouraging folks to isolate right now, I, I, I just want that if they're listening to, to come away with knowing that we're we're thinking about you, and if you need our assistance, reach out. Well, that's great, and and again, I think Chuck, if you want to. Uh, um, uh, let our audience know again that, you know, please, if you have a welfare check, no matter where you are in the country, call that place, and police willingly or sheriffs willingly will go out and do a welfare check. Absolutely. It, it, it is important to, to, to do that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from my neighborhood that somebody uh, uh, hadn't seen this uh, woman in her 80s, they call the, the local law enforcement to do a welfare check, and they just don't knock on the front door and say, well, nobody's home. You know, I mean, the, they'll say, well, somebody's supposed to be in there. In this case, the officer went around back, and it was like a basement, and uh, heard the woman screaming inside through it, and he ended up having to kick in the door, and they saved her. She'd been on the ground sitting there, uh, wasn't near a phone, wasn't near anything, for I think it was over like 12 hours. And so they were able to get nine, you know, he was able to get the fire EMT there and got it to the hospital to help. So those those are two great, great advices that we have. Uh, again, we're about to end this segment. I want to personally thank Jason Marbit from the District Attorney's Office here in Cobb County and Chuck McPhillamy from the Marietta PD. We appreciate what you all do. And uh and you all, everybody, our listeners and all our uh, first responders, healthcare workers, um, and any and all people, our, our caregivers, and I can go on and on. Please be safe and um, healthy, and we'll talk to you next week on Monday at 10 to 11 on the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.